Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job on Blue Wire. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and today I am very excited to have Bonnie Jill Laughlin as my guest. Bonnie is with Westwood One, KMBR, and NBC Sports Bay Area. We talk about her journey from acting to being the NBA's very first female scout to everything she is doing today. This is an incredibly inspiring, informative, and insightful podcast, and you guys are going to love it. We are brought to you today by Untuck It. And with that, let's get to it, fangirls. Bonnie, thank you so much for joining me today. I know that we have become friends through covering the 49ers, and so it is a real pleasure to get to talk to you today. Thanks, Tracy. It's so exciting to talk to you. It's always nice to talk to a like-minded woman and a woman that's crushing it in sports, so I'm happy to join you today. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Uh, This will be a really fun one, and you have had such an interesting career and interesting journey, and I know our listeners are going to be excited to hear about it. So, I am going to just jump onto it. You have been an actress. You were a scout for the Lakers, which made you the first female NBA scout, I believe. Is that correct? That is true. Still to this day, I'm hoping there's some more females that, you know, go on that same path. But it's still, as you know, it's still a man's world. And women are still trying to kind of pave the way and get, um, you know, into these different careers. And it's still somewhat of a, you know, a, a task to try to get that done. So, I'm hoping, you know, as we speak about this, that it uh, kind of changes over the years. We're seeing progress, but I still think we need a little bit more. Yes, I would agree. I would agree with, with all of those points. Uh, now, of course, you are broadcasting, covering the 49ers, covering the area sports, but I'm going to start with your time as a Lakers scout because I would love to hear how did that happen? You know, what? when did your love of sports begin? And really, when you knew you wanted to start making it a career, but let's start there. Let's start with how, how you got to the Lakers. Yes, well, I can start with the Lakers. Um, I was actually covering the team for KCAL KCBS at the time as a reporter, and so I was doing their pre and post game um, and features. And it was funny because I was covering the team for so long, and all of a sudden, like Phil Jackson and Jeannie Buss and late Dr. Buss, they always wanted, especially Dr. Buss, he wanted to always kind of a you know forward thinker, and he wanted to get women more involved in the front office and. He knew that I had an eye for talent. He knew that I could break down the game. He knew I was a female that actually knew the triangle offense, which is kind of hard for people to, to grasp. And he was like, hey, have you ever thought about ever scouting or, you know, looking for talent? And I said, well, you know, I haven't really thought about it because there's no female. So you sometimes start to think, well, that's not a possibility, Tracy, because there isn't any females. And he said, well, what if you were the first female? And um, we used to start talking about it. And I said, well, he goes, why don't you – see how you like it. And so I liked the time it was Pac-10. So I started scouting Pac-10 and Big um, Big 12. And I wasn't getting paid. I wanted to prove myself. So I didn't get paid for the entire year that I was doing it. And what and year was it? And you know, sh- that was in 2000. Okay. 2000, 2000, 2001 season. And I was starting to just, you know, uh, kind of just, you know, learn, you know, learn from different coaches, different scouts, and start to be able to kind of get a feel for how the scouting reports were done and the different prospects I'd be looking at at each game. And, and I kind of just developed that. And like I said, I wasn't getting paid, so I, you know, I loved it. And then after a while, um, I started to think, you know, I think I could be good at this. And Mitch Kupchak, the GM, um, and Jerry West were like, wow, you, you're really thorough on your scouting reports, and this could be something that you could be good at. 
And then after that, working for the Lakers, I got a five-year deal and another five-year deal and just kind of kept hustling and trying to prove myself. And it was tough, you know, because being the only female, you know, I was scrutinized, especially my background, Tracy, you know, coming from being a model, being an actress, being a cheerleader, you know, I wasn't uh, the, you know, the typical norm uh, scout, you know, not just, you know, Mm -hmm. my gender, but also the fact that the, you know, the path that I took. And so it was really hard for people to accept me. And I just kind of had to let my work speak for itself and try to just, you know, get people to accept me because it really was a boys club. Yeah. Which, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm sure it still is. And then you transitioned to being the general manager of their development league. That was after that, correct? Right. And they, at the time it was called the D league, which is now the G league. Mm-hmm. And it was a developmental league. And for me, it was great because, you know, they're developing players. And I felt that I could develop, you know, my skills as well um, with learning how to be, to run a team from the CBA, from contracts or salaries to, I mean, you name it, you know, it was able for me to develop and ask questions and be able to, you know, develop that as well. And I just, I loved it. You know, I loved, you know, being around um the organization, I mean, when you're working for a first-class organization like the Los Angeles Lakers, I mean, you're learning from the best. And I had people like Jerry West and Ronnie Lester and Mitch Kupchick and Phil Jackson and Jeannie Buss and Linda Rambis and Jerry Buss and, you know, um, Bill Sharman, the late Bill Sharman. I had people, Matt Johnson, people who are the top of the top, you know, in an NBA, like giving me, hint, you know, uh, help and helping me, like, kind of figure out, you know, to develop my own way of doing things but at the same time kind of, you know, taking me under their wing and helping me figure out, you know, things that were new to me, plus the fact that I had so much scrutiny and kind of a microscope on me so much because of being a female. So it's really, really tough. A lot of, you know, nights where I was crying, Tracy, and saying, I don't want to do this anymore, but I love it, you know, kind of that mm-hmm. torn kind of emotions. Um, but you got to kind of just persevere. And I'm one of those people that when you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to kind of prove you wrong. And when you have work ethic and you know, you're knowledgeable and you do your research and you, you know, kind of just uh, don't listen to what other people think, you kind of can accomplish a lot. So how did how did you get through those moments? Because even with the work ethic and and all and wanting to prove people wrong, it's hard. It's hard to come home and cry because you know you're being treated poorly and you're not being respected, and that's hard for anyone. So how were you able to kind of push through that and keep going on? I think just, you know, knowing that I knew that I had, you know, what it took. And I knew that um, with, you know, the platform I already had built with my, you know, uh, scouting already. I'd been scouting for a couple of years and I just knew that it was going to take a while for the men to accept me. Like that was kind of part of it when I first kind of signed up for this. I knew it was going to take a while, but I knew if I just kept focused, you know, on what I wanted to do. And like I said, the work ethic was everything. Um, to build these relationships, um, and this, like I said, I like to for people to see for themselves that I knew what I was talking about. I could break down the game. I, I you know, I found prospects and different uh, players that we end up signing on the Lakers. So it was, you know, rewarding to be able to, you know, at the end of these seasons, be able to show like some of the work that I have done. And it took a long time, but yeah, it was it was tough those nights. But I think when you really want something and you have a passion for it, and it's kind of all you you know, that's all I breathed, slept, and, you know, was basketball at the time, you know, so I felt like it was just something that I loved so much that I wasn't going to let anyone knock me down, and I think if you have that thick skin that a lot of us have to get in this industry, you can, you know, you kind of uh, can accomplish it, and um, 
And sometimes it's tough and you have those bad kind of nights or bad days. But in the end, I think it's worthwhile when you're able to see what you've accomplished, um, especially as a female in sports. Was Is there any player or players that you look back on that you were particularly proud of those finds? I mean, there was a lot. I mean, I think one of the bigger ones was at the time was Jordan Farmar, who was our mm-hmm. point guard. He was from UCLA and he came um, from Taft High School. So he was a local kid and a lot of guys um, who other scouts that I spoke to were like, oh, he's undersized. He's you know, usually Phil Jackson likes, you know, he really liked big shooting guards and he liked big guards. as a, Usually that was kind of his thing, Phil. But, you know, he was undersized and he ended up, you know, being our starting point guard. Um, and that was kind of like a feather in my cap, you know, to show that, okay, this guy kind of had the odds against him and people didn't think that he was going to do that well in the league. And he ended up having a really long uh, career and did really well for the Lakers. So that was probably the one. I mean, there's a lot I can mention, but that was the one because – you know, a lot of uh, scouts really didn't think that he'd be much. So transitioning a little, uh, I know when you started with the Lakers, you were covering the team. So you were already working in sports journalism. You have a background in acting. When did you make the decision to change your path a little bit? And how would you say your acting background helped you make that transition? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because, you know, when I first started, it would have been, you know, the cheerleader for the Golden State Warriors and then the Niners and then the Cowboys while I was going to school at University of Texas to get my degree. And then while I was modeling and acting, Tracy, I feel like it was more, I mean, just say, you know, I didn't like it, but I think it was more just like, you know, to pay the bills, make, you know, ends meet. And I knew my long you know, term goal was sports. But at the time, you know, when you're, I mean, you're in Hollywood, you know, there's so many other ways to you know, kind of develop your brand. And so I kind of, I've always worn a lot of hats and always had a lot of layers to me. So I kind of wanted to dip into the different, um, you know, aspects of the industry. And um, I don't really look back on it. And with any regrets, I think it kind of molded me to who I am. Absolutely. And and do you feel that there were things you learned and obstacles you felt uh, during that portion that kind of helped give you a thicker skin? as you moved into this world, definitely, and, you know, definitely. Yes. I mean, just the, just the fact when you're in the industry, whether it's acting, modeling, cheerleading, you know, as a professional dancer, you are kind of, you know, rejected a lot. You're told you're not good enough. You don't look good enough. You're, you're too heavy. You're too skinny. Your, your hair's not the right color. You're too short. You're too tall. I mean, you're just told you're not good enough all the time. So I kind of feel like that kind of built like my thick skin that like, you're used to, and I know it sounds horrible, but to say, but you're almost like used to rejection and used to being able to overcome that and to prove people wrong and just to work harder and, and to know that someone's going to, you know, see you and like who you are for who you are and not having to change to be someone else. Or, um, and I think that just comes maybe even, you know, into with time and even with age, you know, that you get more mm-hmm. secure with yourself, your body, everything. Um, that maybe just comes in time. I mean, I think different people realize, um, you know, how comfortable they are in their own skin at different times of their life. But I feel like, you know, um, that really kind of did help at a young age. Um, I was able to kind of get the rejection and get different things that kind of prepared me for the sports world. So what is the criticism that you received early on in your career that was tough at the time, but really helped to shape who you are today? I think a lot of it was just um, the stereotypes, you know, the preconceived notion of like who I am or, 
that she came, you know, from this background um, in the you know, industry, whether it was acting, modeling, or being a professional cheerleader. I mean, there's all those stereotypes, and they based a lot of that on maybe my looks instead of looking at what I did, my work ethic, you know, what I'd already had uh, accomplished. Um, and I think that was the biggest thing is um, just the, the stereotypes of, you know, because we all know there's stereotypes with, you know, a lot of uh, women who are cheerleaders. They think, oh, they're dumb or they're, you know, you know, they don't have any brains or they haven't uh, worked hard for what they've um, gotten in life. And so I think that was, you know, the hardest part was the fact that people might have just put, labeled me um, as a you know, certain uh, stigma that um, I had to kind of overcome um, all the time, even now. Did you have a mentor and do you have a mentor in your career that um, you look up today and kind of helped you through all of that? Um, it would probably be the late Dr. Jerry Buss, who was the owner of the Lakers. He really uh, helped me kind of um, get through all of that and gave me such great advice and, you know, was able to kind of tell me, you know, what was the, the best ways to deal with these situations. And even though he, you know, was a man, he was able to kind of understand because he had this vision of how he wanted female through betrayed in sports and, you know, look at his daughter, you know, what Jeannie had accomplished. And so he really was a fan of women in sports. And so he really said, you know, you've got the work ethic, which is the most important thing. I think either you're born with it or you're not like people who have a drive and ambition to get things done. They just do. It's kind of like in our DNA, like yourself, you know, so he knew that I had that ambition and that work ethic and that I wanted to accomplish a lot of things. And that he knew that as long as I, kept focused and not distracted and um, to get down on myself or listen to other people that um, I could um, do what I wanted to do and kind of pave the way for different females. And um, he was really very instrumental in my career. And I would also say probably Jerry Jones as well. So I had two, you know, people in sports who have done, you know, amazing things, great businessmen, but yet, you know, love women in sports. And um, they, you know, they both really helped me in the, just the great advice that they would give me that, you know, kind of stays with me today. Can you think of a piece of advice that you received from Jerry Jones? And I think our listeners would find that fascinating because he's such an interesting person um, in the sports world and, and such a big personality. Uh, if there was any advice that he specifically gave you that you're able to use today. You know, I would probably say is to be myself, like not trying to be someone else. Like there's, you know, some people, let's say reporters, or they want to be an Aaron Andrews, or they want to be a Michelle DeFoya. Like, you got to be you, unique, irreplaceable. Like, he always told me, like, you are unique to who you are, like, your path and what you've done. And just own that. Like, don't try to be someone else. Don't try to mold to what you think executives or these producers want because you didn't get the job and now you feel like you have to change. You're like, be yourself. Be comfortable in your own skin. Be who you are. Be true. Be genuine. Be authentic. And that will eventually work in your favor and don't change one bit. And I think I've always thought about that. Like all of us are unique and that's what we all, we bring something special to the table because who we are. And I think that was the biggest thing is that there are times in our careers where we feel like, okay, we didn't get this or we didn't get that or we were rejected. Okay. That means we need to change who we are. And it just was maybe that wasn't the right job for you. And that wasn't the right fit for you. So I think it's being true to yourself. And I think that goes, you know, not just in sports and anything. Absolutely. I think it's so important. And I think it's, and we talk about this on this podcast a lot, but in this world of social media, I think that's one of the hardest things uh, for young women and young men. 
and is starting out in their careers and just finding out who they are and being okay with who they are and and not trying to be something they're not because a lot of times what we see absolutely is not reality you know when you can only be right your and i think self. that's one of the and don't you agree tracy that's probably one of i don't know one of the mistakes that certain you know young women maybe even young men like you said do is that they try to be other people that you know you see these girls and they're trying to be the kardashians or they're trying to be they aren't who they're not them they're trying to be someone else because they see that they have a lot of likes or that you know they're a celebrity or people like them or um and they get persuaded by that instead of just being them and being comfortable who you are because like i said not to reiterate but we're all really special and we all bring something very unique and there's space for everyone like there's room for all of us you don't need mm-hmm. to compete you you know you can be who you are and be happy for other women like that's so important to me is to always make sure that you know i'm happy for other women because i think that's sometimes that doesn't happen and we have a great group of girls that cover the 49ers but i've been in situations where the women were horrible to me and you're like why like why would you want to like bring down another female and i think we've progressed we've gotten better but sometimes you know not women are not always in you know each other's corners I think that is true, and it's very unfortunate because it sounds very cliche, and we've been hearing it a lot recently, but we are better together. And I think it was Michelle Beisner Buck uh, on an earlier episode of Get My Job who said that, but we are better together. We are better working together. We're better supporting each other. And you brought up the amazing group of women that cover the 49ers, and we are all incredibly supportive of each other. In fact, we all we all took a picture on the field, spearheaded by you, which yes. was awesome. You know, to because you know, and I love it. So I love being able way. to come to to come to work. You know, I call it work, but it's at the end of the day, we love what we do. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to call it work, right? But we come to work mm-hmm. to cover the Niners, to cover the game, and it's nice when you have, you know. And I've told you this, and I've told Jennifer Lee Chan, and um, it's funny, like how nice it is when you can see another female who's smiling and actually excited to see you. And it just kind of goes a long way than being in a hostile environment or toxic environment where you feel like that person is judging you or competing with you, or it's just not good. It's not good energy. And I've never understood it. Like all of us have a job that we do. We all do it really well. And, you know, together we're like unstoppable. So like, why do you want to bring other women down? Like I've never, never understood that. Never, you know, like I'm the person that went, you know, anyone has a question or, you know, when you get, you know, younger females who want advice, like I'm always like trying to help and because other, you know, people help me. So I don't, I've never understood that logic of, you know, you felt like you need to not support each other because I think all of us are just phenomenal women. We're so inspiring and together we're just, like I said, we're unstoppable. And I think, you know, you brought up earlier an energy and, you know, working together and being yourself. And I think that it's what it comes down to when, when we're not supportive of each other. And again, men or women, it does come from a person's own insecurities, thinking they're not enough and that they're threatened by someone else. And that's just not the case. And if we can get to a point where everybody believes that, I think it will just make it much better for everybody to know that what you're doing is not what I'm doing is not what so-and-so is doing, but what we're doing is awesome what each of us is doing and we can support each other and help each other and work together. And like you said, we're unstoppable if that's what we do. Right. Yeah. And it's, I also think that all of us have different, I totally believe like everything happens for a reason. Like we all 
have our goals that we want to achieve in our career, or, you know, professionally, personally. But at the same token, it's like everything happens for a reason. And when things don't work out, like I think some females get upset when they don't get a certain job and they were competing against another female. Well, that wasn't right for you. And something else better, even better for you personally or professionally mm-hmm. is going to happen. And so you don't need to think that that wasn't, you know, I think people just, they put so much pressure just on these certain positions. And I just don't think that you should think that. I think you need to look at the bigger picture and there's so many roles and jobs and, you know, great um, opportunities for women. And I don't know, I just have always thought that I love having, like, I love, like I said, like, I love being able to go to these games and practice and see you girls and know that you guys have my back. I think that's just so important because we deal with so much negativity and pressures and scrutiny from the outside world and from, you know, the viewers or listeners or men why are we going to go against each other? It doesn't make, Mm -hmm. it makes no sense, you know? So I've always just been kind of puzzled by, you know, certain females who um, don't want to uh, be in our like girl power type of group. It just makes no sense. I totally agree with you. I I completely agree with you. And I think it's such an important thing to say. And and I'm really glad that we've, we've spoken about it because I think it's just so important for young women, yeah. it is, and young women, especially listening, who want to get into the sports industry and and who want to get into any type of competitive industry, which is which is most of them. Um, we have enough enemies. We are better together. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you would say, Tracy, it's probably rare that the group that we do have with the Niners, like all of us, really support each other. Like it's genuine yeah. too. It's not fake. Like I can see, like all of us, you know, you can really tell we all really support each other, and I just think it's really refreshing. I agree. I agree 100%. Ever see an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50 fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With untucked, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. So transitioning the tiniest bit about what brings you to game day every week with the Niners, uh, you have you wear a number of hats. You work for Westwood One, KNBR, NBC Sports Bay Area. So you're not busy at all. Uh, but you, so you wear <laughs> a number of hats. How are you able to balance it all? And I I mean a little bit balance the different workloads and then find that balance in life because I want to talk later you do a number of really great things in the community and and you're just very active generally so how do you find that balance you know when you're at work and then when you're not I think I mean first of all I love what I do you know so that helps and 
you know, I've always been so ambitious and, you know, constantly hustling. And I'm one of those kind of people, like, I don't feel adequate if I'm not constantly, you know, um, filled my day with, you know, um, you know, whether it's work, whether it's, you know, personal, uh, my charity, um, I'm constantly like, you know, just want to achieve so many things. I kind of wake up every day thinking I just want to kind of conquer the world, you know, whether you do that every day, you know, (laughs) you know, thoughts are going to do that, but you kind of have to have that mentality. So I kind of wake up every day thinking I want to achieve these things and these goals. And, um, and I think sometimes I know this sounds so crazy. Sometimes I feel like I kind of thrive on being overwhelmed or stressed. or I feel like I, I do my best when I have all of that. But at the same time, I think with having my charity and having um, that as well to balance it, because I think when I'm giving back and I'm doing so much with my charity, whether it's the troops or animals, I think that helps me stay grounded and keeps me balanced because otherwise you can kind of go crazy, you know, if you don't have something else. And I've been told at one time, like, you need to not just work. All you do is work, work, work. I mean, it's affected my relationships. Um, I finally have a boyfriend now that really understands and, you know, supports my career. And it's kind of told me like, yes, you have this amazing career and this and that, but you, you know, it's okay to also have a personal life and to not think that, you can only just be this independent woman that you can sometimes lean on some of you know, other people. Cause I think all of us girls, especially um, women in sports, we kind of are so independent that we feel like we don't need anyone else and that we just rely everything on ourselves. And I feel like it's nice when you have that balance of having other things in your life besides, you know, just a hundred percent your career. You know, um, I think that can sometimes be, um, it can wear you down. It can really wear you down. So I think it, it's really important to have that balance. Um, at the end of the day, yes, like my career is always going to be, you know, like number one, but you really do have to have a balance or eventually it'll just, uh, you will you'll break down. Will you talk a little bit? I'm going to ask a few follow-ups to that, but the first one, um, you mentioned your charity, Hounds and Heroes. Can you just talk a little bit about that so people uh, know what it is? Yes. Yeah, so Hounds and Heroes I created um, in 2010. I think, yeah, 2010, and it's my passion has always been obviously sports, but my other passions are supporting our military and animal welfare, and I wanted to combine my two passions and create this charity where we, our main initiative is that we rescue dogs from the shelters that have a, like a high euthanasia rate, and we pair them up with veterans that have come back from the war or um, struggling with PTSD or TBI um, or even amputees, and it's basically kind of saving two lives with the suicide rate so high with our veterans, it was kind of a way for me to be able to give back. Um, and uh, now I've brought it to San Francisco because I moved from L.A. to San Francisco and doing that as well in the Bay Area. And um, it just it's kind of rewarding. It's uh, what kind of uh, fills my heart when I'm able to give back to our men and women that fought for our country and then also these animals. Where can people find Hounds and Heroes? So they can go to houndsandheroes.com is our website. And then we also all over social media, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as well. And I'm sure, you know, Trace, I'm always posting like a dog or a horse or some mm-hmm. animal that needs, <laughs> needs a home. Is, it, is it at Hounds and Heroes? Is that the handle? Yes, it is. Okay. Yep. Yes. Well, I dogs are very, very close to my heart as well. So I... I love what you're doing, and I think it is just Well, there's nothing like a dog, right? They're 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 so therapeutic to anyone, you know, like, 
right? If you're having a bad day, I mean, I probably should have said that, like, how do you get through it? There's times where I'm crying and upset. Like, when you have your dog and, you know, wagging its tail, you're like, and, you know, he's so happy to see you and loves you unconditionally. You're like, oh, life's not that tough. <laughs> yeah, it's true. The, the, it's just, it means everything. It really does. So um, I, lo- I absolutely, I absolutely love that. Take us through a day in the life of Bonnie Jill Laughlin. And if you want to pick a couple different days, because I know you do a number of different things, go for it. But I'd just love for our listeners to kind of hear what what your days look like, just to kind of drive home, you know, what it takes to do this all the time. Right. So I'm usually up, so I'm up at 4.15 a.m., um, oh. very early. Um, yeah. So I have to be at the studio by 5 o'clock um, in the morning. So I'm up 4.15, 4.30, put on a... Uh, my baseball hat, brush my teeth, wash my face, and uh, put my sweats on. That's when that's what's great about radio, Tracy. In the morning, I don't have to get all dolled mm-hmm. up, you know. So Perfect. and then I'm uh, out the door. Yeah, I'm out the door, and I'm there at the studio between five and six, researching and prepping for our show. And then I'm on air from six to ten in the morning, Monday through Friday. Um, and then after that, I have like usually an hour or half hour break, and then I do. Um, my podcast that weekly pass for Westwood One, um, mm-hmm. and then from there I usually go to Orange Theory Fitness to go work out or go boxing because that's like you know I wish I could work out. I usually work out before work, but there's no such thing as like a class at like you know three in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> so I have to work out. Yeah, so I have to work out after work, and that's kind of like my stress reliever. Like if I don't work out every day. And it's not even like just for physically, like my body, it's like mentally, emotionally, like it's a way for me to get my endorphins going for, to get my stress out from the day. And so that's kind of like a routine for me is to always make sure that I try to get in a you know, minimum hour, hour and a half to work out and then come home. And then if, um, normally I either have to be at NBC Sports Bay Area, go to the studio around 3.34. And if not, um, then I'm at a game, whether it's a Warriors game, a Giants game, you know, Niner games on the weekends, but there's games, home games. So then I'll head over and do um, pregame and postgame um, for the games. So that's usually my day. <laughs> and then if I have a little bit of an off night, then I'll go and see my horse. I've got my a couple of my horses out in Brentwood, which is about an hour outside of San Francisco. So I'll go out and um, after I work out, I'll go out and see my horses and I'll go and ride for a while. Um, and that's another way from another kind of my Zen moment and uh, my serenity when I go out and ride. Um, but that kind of is like the norm. Like it's kind of changes that you can kind of swap those out. Um, but that's kind of the norm Monday through Friday. That's, I think that's great. And what does that change at all? So for a Niners game day, um, how does that change? I, I mean, I imagine there are differences, but, but how does that change for you? Yeah. So if there is a game on, obviously, you know, let's say it's a Monday night game, you know, and since I have to wake up so early, those are the worst, Tracy, because, sure. you know, Monday night, as you know, you know, you, you go into post game and by the time you're done with all the pressers and everything, you know, I'm getting home around 12 o'clock. I got to be up at four in the morning. So you get like four hours sleep. And that's the same thing with Giants games, Warriors games. You know, the games are late. You know, you buy people think, okay, well, they're done about 10. Let's say it's a 7.30 first pitch or tip off 7.30. But you roll that into by the time you're done with post game and then you get home, you're looking at midnight. And I'm one of those people, probably like yourself, where it takes a while for me to kind of to decompress and wind down. I can't just jump into bed, you know. Yeah. So that takes a while. And then, you know, so a lot of, I mean, I get a lot, you know, I would say that the lack of sleep is kind of the toughest um, because I don't get a lot of sleep. It's usually four to five hours a night. Um, And 
for someone who used to love sleeping eight hours, I don't get that anymore when you're on this morning show. Yeah, no, I, I <laughs> so, that, you know, yeah, it's tough. You know, you, you wouldn't realize how quick that alarm goes off, you know, at, at four o'clock. Um, so you just something, it's kind of a life adjustment and you get used to it. But at the same time, I love what I do. Um, I don't take it for granted. So I'm happy and that I've, you know, have this job. So um, I look at it as um, something positive, even though, you know, sometimes a lack of sleep can, uh, you know, get you a little cranky sometimes. So I usually try to take a nap too during the day if I can, like an hour nap. That's that probably refreshes you, probably revives you. That's really, you know, probably that's probably right. what you call you need to kind of get through. It's almost in some ways you get two days in one because if you're up at four and you do everything, if you can get that app between four and nap between four and five or three and four before the night games, you probably it's just enough to get you through that. Oh, it totally helps me because if I don't get a nap, Tracy, I literally like I'll start hitting a wall like eight o'clock. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't do, it. like I'm gonna fall asleep. So. Yeah, getting a nap is so important. And I think for people who are listening, I don't think people realize, like, when we go to a Niner game, it's not like kickoff to, you know, the end end of the game. It's literally, we're there all day and night. I mean, is that fair to say? Like, it's a whole, like, 12-hour day, you know? It's long. People don't realize how long long. it is that we're there. It's very long, and it's so funny that you said because a and lot I'm talking of, about just traveling, right? And like for me, yeah. like, fly, like just traveling there because you know from San Francisco, it you know, takes about an hour, hour and a half sometimes. So just that, just three hours just in the car, and then you get the pregame, and then you get the game, and a lot of our games are always tight and close. So some is OT, and then you know, then you got the post game, and, and then you got to you know maybe start to figure out what you're going to talk about, you know, on your show the next morning. I mean, there's so much um, time that goes into it. There is, and, and I, a lot of friends, and they totally, I mean, they don't, they mean well. They're like, I want it. Can I see you pregame? Can I see you postgame? And, you know, if it's like a one thirty, like, for instance, you know, if it's a one thirty game or 1 o'clock game, I'm there at 10, 10.30. Right. Getting ready to do mm-hmm. all, then all the pregame, then the game. That's and then, fine. you know, yeah. and then I always say to people after the game is like, like then, then the work begins again because the pressers and we write. And so it is definitely a very long day. It's fun. It's awesome. I couldn't be luckier to get to do what I do, but it is definitely, you know, a very long day because sometimes people be like, well, why can't you just meet for dinner after? I'm like, well, because I'm not done when the game ends. <laughs> I'm done about three to right. four hours And I'm emotionally, emotionally exhausted, right? After the, I, I don't even want to, like, I just want to go home. <laughs> after yeah, it's, it's a lot of busy you days. Know, especially all of us, like, yeah, and I think we're all of us are pros, but like, you know, when you're in heels or some type of, you know, high boot or whatever, your feet hurt and you just want to like put your, you know, your Uggs on, your flip flops or whatever, mm-hmm. I always bring a change of shoes because I keep walking to our car. I'm like, I cannot walk in these heels or whatever, you know, and then I just kind of want to just put my sweats on and, you know, watch more highlights or, you know, watch the Simmons. I'll come home and watch the game over again. And then I just want to go to bed. I don't want to even go to dinner or do anything. I'll eat at home. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I get that. And that's funny what you say about the shoes, because I think you know this. I have my field post-game shoes and my press box shoes. Yeah. And so I have the heels and the high boots for the field and for post-game. And then in the press box, I have my little sneakers. And uh, that was something I learned really early on. And I'm very happy I made that decision. <laughs> that's very. I know. I think all of us, that's why I say we're like pros. I think all of us do that. Uh-huh. We all have our tennis shoes or Uggs or football, whatever to like, because you can't wear those shoes all day, all afternoon and all night. Like no. you just can't, you're just your, and then we have to walk to the, you know, down and up and down and up and down the elevator a million times and then, you know, out to the parking lot. And 
yeah. So all of us pros know um, to have a change of shoes yes, <laughs> in our bag. Exactly. If there's, if there's a piece of advice I can give. <laughs> you can always, can you, am I right that you can always tell someone who's been working in the industry for a while, we always have an extra pair of shoes that we're going to change into. Exactly. Those, those would be my pieces. Be yourself, be who you are, and don't worry about everyone else, <laughs> and bring a different change of shoes. <laughs> those are my two. Exactly. Like, and that's those, it. And, and those, life is yep. good. Exactly. And that, that'll get you through it. Well, this has been fun. We are now at the point of the podcast, which is one of my favorites. You, of course, cover the Niners and follow me so you know I love fun facts. And you do. Buy fun facts with the I learned some stuff from you, too. I love when you do certain fun facts. Like, oh, I didn't know that. I like that. <laughs> that's, and that's the point of it. It's an opportunity for them to share fun facts about themselves that people would not otherwise know. And so that I'm glad. I'm glad that you have gotten to learn something. People say that. They're like, I didn't know that. That was a fun one. I'm like, well, that's why they're fun facts. So with that in mind, yeah. we, ask, we ask each of our guests the same five questions at the end of every episode. So I am going to go through and ask you your fun facts. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Number one, what is your favorite moment in sports? I would have to say when I was 18 years old and the cheerleader for the 49ers, it was the 94 season, and I was able to be on the sidelines for the 95 Super Bowl. And just, I mean, I was a kid, you know, being there and being able to see uh, the Niners you know, win their fifth Super Bowl championship, it was just something I'll never forget. It was in Miami, um, which uh, maybe that's a, a good sign with this Super maybe. Bowl. Um, and, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I keep thinking, right? Tasty, like, this could be a good sign. But, yeah, it was just, you know, imagine being a kid just, you know, out of high school and being able to be on the sidelines for that big game. And, I mean, that was when the NFC Championship game was everything, you know, Dallas and the Niners and the Packers. It was, they always kind of rotated, and that was like the big game. But just being there, you know, in Miami on the sidelines performing pregame and then being there afterwards at the championship game with Ada Barlow and Carmen Policy and um, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, all that. It was just something, you know, I'll never forget. It's been a long time. But um, it was, you know, to me, it'll still be, you know, one of my favorites of all time. And like I said, I was a kid, I was a teenager and uh, something very memorable. And Ada Bartolo, he ended up giving us Super Bowl rings. We were the first cheerleaders to get rings. He brought us into the ring ceremony in Hawaii with the players and the front office. And um, I really started to understand the family atmosphere that Ada Bartolo and the Fortnite organization created because they really made everyone from the janitor to the owner to the cheerleaders to the, you know, the ball boy who was you know, actually was Coach Shanahan was the ball boy at the time, which is interesting. Oh, so it, it's, um, yeah. And so it's um, something I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that team and just being a part of it. What is your life motto? I've always had this is don't dream it, be it. And it's always been something that I, that I've had. Um, and I've always said, you know, just we have these big dreams and they're all attainable. So don't dream it, go after it and do it. I love that. That's a great one. Uh, what is your go-to workout? I know you mentioned a couple earlier, but the go-to if you can do anything. Yes. Yeah, so my go-to workout is Orange Theory. So I'm obsessed with Orange Theory and then boxing. I'm a huge boxer. So I love it. Um, I love getting in the ring um, from feedback to sparring to, I don't know, there's something about boxing. I've always loved, I mean, I guess since a kid, I loved watching Rocky, you know, <laughs> and watching mm-hmm. all the, you know, Rocky Balboa and Drago and all, you know, all the you know, I love those movies. And so um, I've been boxing for a long time now. And it's just something, again, that's such a stress reliever. And 
I love just the sport of boxing. So um, that is definitely my go-to would have to be boxing. What is your go-to coffee order? I don't drink coffee. I'm a rarity. I don't drink coffee. I am a you know what? girl. So a lot of people on the podcast, bad. <laughs> but a lot of people, as it turns on the podcast, have said they don't drink coffee, but not, they haven't all said that they drink Red Bull instead. So you're a Red Bull girl. All right. <laughs> yes, I am. And I know it's so horrible. I'm going to die at some point really soon because I drink it a lot, but mm. I love Red Bull. And I think a lot of it is because I have such an early morning that I don't drink coffee, but I got to drink something to kind of get me going. So I drink a lot of Red Bull and I, you know, eat a lot of candy, like a lot of sugar. It's all not healthy at all, Tracy, but that is kind of my go-to. Like I love Red Bull. <laughs> okay. So I love that. What's your go-to coffee order? Red Bull. I got to go much harder. Than yeah. Coffee. Totally fair. Uh, and last but, yeah. not least, <laughs> last but not least, what is a book every woman should read? See, I'm going to be different again because I couldn't, I, you know, it's so bad. I mean, I love all those, you know, books that are, are kind of those uh, self-help kind of books and mm-hmm. um, books that are motivating, inspirational and aspirational for women. But I am kind of, when it comes to reading, I'm kind of a nerd. I like Harry Potter. So those are my There's books. I that. read Harry Potter books. And I think what it is, is I'm so engulfed with sports, 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 that sometimes when I watch a movie or I watch or I read, I kind of like to go outside in something completely different than what I do every day, if that makes sense. So I think when I read these like Harry Potter books, it kind of is a fantasy and it kind of takes me out of um, my life, you know, yeah, um, in a weird kind of way. No, I think, I think that makes so, a lot of sense. I completely understand that. So, yeah, I'm a Harry Potter nerd. I like it. <laughs> I think that's great. And I think there's something, there's something to be said about that. And that's the beauty of books. It takes you to another world that you're not used to. That's not your world. And that's why people enjoy them. So I cannot fault right. you for them at all. Cause you know how it is, Tracy. Like we're so like sports, sports, sports. We watch sports every day, every game. Sometimes you just want to get away, you know, yeah. and you, you know, you put on a movie that's completely different. You go, you know, watch whatever it is, a horror movie, a comedy, or like whatever, just to kind of break away from the norm because sometimes the monotony can kind of get to you and you want just to change for a little bit, you know, not always, but just every now and then. I totally agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I actually oddly have not read the Harry Potter books and they are on my list. So I will. Are they? Okay, good. They are. So you're not against it. (laughs) I'm not, not against it at all. I love to read all kinds of books. um, And I love mostly fiction because I like to be able to escape and, and get into a different world. So I get it. And they are, and I will put See, them so even you like higher to escape on too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you I like think to that's, escape that's too. Fair. Yeah. I think we all need that. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Bonnie. This has been so fun. Uh, I think that our, we, our listeners are just in here for such a treat and they are going to love listening to this podcast. And just thank you so much for joining us today or joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you on the field. I know. I will see you soon. And thank you so much. It's an honor to speak to you. And it's like I said, it's so great to talk to someone who's killing it in sports as well and that women can look up to. So I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a wonderful rest of your day and we will talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, girl. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.